2: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. deep. back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Goose, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Great to bring you back.
3: Hey, Chris. How you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderful, and this is a real honor for me because I got to tell you, as a kid growing up in San Diego, you came to the Padres in 1984. And I was in Little League. And at that time, I was a shortstop. But what they did was they would bring me in in the last inning, and I would come get everybody out. And You were so popular in San Diego that they started calling me Goose in Little League. And I used to carry around your your baseball card in my backpack. I did it for years. So let me tell you, someone grew up watching you. Uh, It's an absolute honor to have you on this program now.
3: Well, thanks, Chris. You know, that was when a, I look upon my time in San Diego and going there in 84 and turning on a city for the first time and being a part of that was such a special, you know, that was a very, very good team. Uh, you know, they needed two pieces of the puzzle uh, when I went out there and, and uh, they needed a relief pitcher and then they needed a uh, third baseman. I. Came as way, by way of free agency, and then I think they traded for Nettles the following spring. So when we started that season, then we, you know, Tony Gwynn, uh, Alan Wiggins leading off, we were first and third, uh, you know, and we had a run on the board uh, the first inning about every game. So, you know, that was a lot of fun turning on the city, like I said, for the first time.
1: So I just had Steve Vucinich on, our longtime equipment manager, man who's been oh, here since. Yeah. Then. He said to say hello, and he was telling a story about. Uh, I think it was Cripple Creek is where you had your retirement party, and said it was an absolute blast. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we had a great time. My, uh, my, my family uh, threw that thing for me. We had a little benefit that we we the uh, little charity thing, and invited. Uh, <clears throat> we flew in. All you know, whoever I wanted, you know, some of my favorite teammates, managers, uh, pitching coaches, uh, uh, you know, just you know, all the way back to Chuck Tanner, my first manager. So, special people at that thing. So, yeah, we did have it. Steve was, you know, one of the, my favorite all time uh, clubhouse guys,
1: you know. Also, growing up, when you were with the Yankees, I mean, you were at the height of your power. You were goose gossage. You were up there snarling. You were mean. Everybody was scared of you. And and you just weren't pitching in the ninth inning. You could come in the seventh and the eighth. And it was a crazy time in New York, not only in New York City, but for the Yankees. What was it like putting on those pinstripes and playing during that time in the 70s through the 80s?
3: Oh, you know, I – you know, I got to play for nine different teams in the big leagues. And, you know, Chris, I loved every team and every moment that I spent in the big leagues, all 22, almost 22 years. And, and uh, you know, the nine teams, uh, like I said, it was special on every team. So, um, you know, but I grew up a Yankee fan. My mom and dad, my whole family were huge Yankee fans. And then, man, when I put the pinstripes on, uh, thank God I had uh, six years in the big leagues already under my belt because I don't think I would have, would have survived that. I, the pressure, you know, I came in to the Yankees uh, in 78, they'd won in 77. They were world champions. Sparky Lyle is the Cy Young award relief. He's a reliever. How many relievers? I think there's two or three relievers that's ever won the Cy Young award. and, and, Sparky was one of those guys in 77. And I came over there when George signed me as a free agent after I left Pittsburgh, Um, you know, it was one of those things where I went over there thinking that I was going to be the best, we were going to be the best right-handed, left-handed combination ever. And they, you know, they proceeded to give me Sparky's They They put Sparky on the bench. How do you take a Cy Young award winner's job? I, you know, so oh, it was just mind-boggling. And then, and then putting on the pinstripes on top of them giving me Sparky's job. And Sparky was very popular. They, everybody loved Sparky. I loved Sparky. And, uh, you know, had it been anybody else, I don't think we would have – our you know re- relationship would have e- even survived that. But uh, it was a crazy time. And, you know, th- that 15 games or 14 games when we were out um, – it's the greatest comeback in history it's, it's inscribed in the on the underneath of our rings on the inside. It said the greatest comeback in history. No one has ever come back in late July from fourteen games back and we ended up forcing that one game playoff with the Red Sox and it was a the most roller coaster year that I've ever spent it by far in the big leagues. I went from you know crap house to <laughs> you know castle man you know it shithouse to castle, you know, and and, uh, all in one season. I've never been, and I don't think any of the other guys had ever been through anything so emotionally low and so emotionally high, and then we ended up repeating as world champions, but what I was going to say, Chris, it would have never been the greatest comeback in history if I hadn't dug us that deep hole early joining the Yankees, so you asked me about joining the Yankees, it was it was, um, you know, I'd get to the mound and Munson would ask me, How are you going to lose this one? <laughs> and before I couldn't believe he asked me that, I, I said, I don't know, you little son of a, You know, I'd be cursing at him. I'd be screaming obscenities at him. And he's running back, laughing back to whole plate because he'd say, How you got, really? I would lose a game. I could invent ways to lose games. It was amazing. And, and uh, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It was the lowest part of my whole career uh, in on any team. Uh, it was the worst I'd ever, worst stretch I'd ever gone through.
1: What was it for you to be that menacing, hard throwing, I'm coming after everybody? That was, you had that persona that people were scared of you. What was that like? And how did you build that to where you wanted everybody who got in that box to be scared of you? Well, you know,
3: the intimidation thing was never thing, something that I, I consciously thought about. I thought, you know, uh, it was just the way I was. You know, people go, man, you are not at all like you are, were on the mound. Teammates, they go, man, if I knew the way, the way you really are, I wouldn't be that scared. But when I was on that mound, Chris, I, I, would, I would look at a hitter and I would go, man, I would not want to be you. And because I pitched inner half, and when a ball, when you pitch inner half, that's a, that's a really really fine line between making that pitch and then a ball, if you get behind it a little bit, where your body's out front and your arms lagging a little bit, that ball ends up around your head, and it was it ended it ended up being a a great purpose pitch, and Dick Dick Allen taught me that. It was amazing, Dick Dick Allen. One of the most special things that ever happened to me in the big league was Dick Allen took me under his wing and taught me how to pitch. This is 1972. I'm a rookie. He takes me under his wing, and, you know, I could locate. I could throw, you know, 95 to a Exactly where I was going to throw that pitch that hard. And so he taught me where to make that pitch up, up and in. Not up and in, I don't mean Adam. I mean uh, Inner half up, and he said, "We as hitters see that ball, but he said God can't hit it." And but when I miss with that, it ended up being a great purpose pitch because it was right at your head. So guys were really scared that you know I I hit three guys intentionally in 22 years. I hit a lot of guys, but I only hit three intentionally. <laughs> two of them deserved it. Two of them deserved it, and one of them didn't. <laughs> so.
1: Oh, it's an honor to have the great Goose Gossage here on A's Cast Live. And take us back to your time in Oakland, because you showed up in 1992, very good ball club, and you made the postseason.
3: Well, it was it was awesome. You know, I spent really, too I – loved, I loved the Bay Area. I always loved coming out there, even as a visiting player. You know, we'd come back from the east, and It was steamy back east, you know, the – 110 index and stuff like that crazy humidity and and heat then we'd go out there in the bay area it was cool and oh my god it was like a breath of fresh air that that cool you know that cool bay area and man it was invigorating and you felt strong i always felt strong coming out there but i always loved the people out there in the bay area young energetic enthusiastic You know, they were great fans in that, you know, the Giants and the A's have great fans. uh, And it was a great place to play. I got to play both places and and loved every moment uh, in both places.
1: You know, we've been promoting grassroots baseball. This book is just fascinating. Uh, We had Gene on. We also had uh, Jeff Idelson on yesterday. And this book is very special and going for a great cause. And and tomorrow there's going to be a signing. But just talk about how you've gotten involved with grassroots baseball.
3: Well, Jeff asked me to do a couple of appearances for him, you know, with the kids and talk to the kids and, I think I did three or four different, uh, places. I did Chicago. I did, uh, Albuquerque and I did, uh, gosh, where were we? I can't even remember the other one. I've been so many places, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful program and, uh, gloves and, and balls and, and I gave, you know, a little lesson as quick as it was and, it was amazing to see these kids that had never even played catch. They were actually catching the ball before this thing was over. They're throwing balls and they're pitching. And you should have seen the improvement and you should have seen, you know, that's the most gratifying thing about coaching kids is, is seeing the, the strides that they make, uh, you know, because baseball is such a – I think it's the most difficult game on the planet you know what else can you fail at seven out of ten times and be a star? Somebody. The only other thing that anybody's ever told me uh, that you could fail at seven out of ten times was a a weatherman. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a hard game. And when these kids see the strides that they make in only a half hour or 45 minutes out there with instruction and working with them. Um, you know, it's amazing. And, the, and this one couple of them said, "Hey, I'm going out for the. I'm going to go play baseball." I said, "Absolutely." And I said, "Never give up on it." I said, because you've got to practice it. It doesn't just happen. And there are so many great facets of the game uh, that that take a lot of skill to play.
1: You know, and, and I wanted to ask. So you, the
3: program is the the to those absolute roots. So uh, it is. It's a cool program.
1: Yeah, and we're going to promote the heck out of it here on, on A's Cast Live. Ace Cast Live, and of course, the big signings tomorrow, as we're going to have huge crowds here for the A's and the Giants in the Bay Bridge Series. You know, I always, oh, yeah. I always love. I've been back to the Baseball Hall of Fame three times, and I went to the induction ceremony in '99 for Brett yount and nolan ryan and i love when you guys get together and you guys do the interviews and just what is that time like for you is truly one of the games greats to once a year to to be around your peers and this is one of the special teams being in the baseball hall of fame that's the team of teams
3: hey chris i'll take this to my grave this is not going to ever register i go back there and 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 be introduced, uh, you know, uh, before the, the induction ceremony and, and the speeches and, and to be up there, you know, to, to, to give my speech. When I got elected, the next thought was, oh, my God, I've got to give a speech <laughs> in front of all of those guys and you're sandwiched in, in front of all those guys and in front of all those people. And it's very intimidating. It, and like I said, it's very humbling. I, I can't even comprehend uh, being in the Hall of Fame. I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden, and even in the Hall of Fame when I when I get there and, and um, being part of the ceremonies and all of the things that we do and the golf tournament and things like that, it just is... It really is mind-boggling, and to be a part of it, I would always see a, you know, I'd meet a Hall of Famer in the clubhouse in my travels uh, throughout our seasons, and, and I'd meet a Hall of Famer, and I'd go, man, what must that be like? And then here I am, you know. So, um, you know, it, all I wanted to do when I started out, Chris, was put a big league uniform on one time, and it turned into 22 years, and I still can't even comprehend the kind of career that I had um, you know, winning a world championship. People always ask me, what's my favorite memory? I said, I have so many great memories. I broke in in Chicago with the White Sox and, and what a grand old ballpark uh, Comiskey Park was. It was it was unbelievable. I'm sure glad I got a chance to play in that generation of, in a lot of the older ballparks and uh, Tiger Stadium. You know, I used to love going into all those old stadiums and you know, you just got goosebumps. You know, walking in because of all the great players and and things that had happened. You know, Fenway Park, uh, you know, Wrigley Field, things like that. Just um, amazing,
1: Goose. You are the best. Once again, it means a lot to me. as a, I was a big fan growing up. Still a big fan. Keep fighting for a game for our game. We'll always appreciate your time and uh, be well. And hopefully, we'll talk soon. Well, thanks, Chris, and good luck to you guys out there. That's Marcus Simeon joining us now before we get you ready for the athletics and the Giants. How are you? I'm doing great. Just got my work in, and
0: um, you know, just ready for a big game today.
1: I just brought it up. you got a six-game hitting streak. You're hitting three forty eight with three home runs, seven extra base hits, and five RBIs during that time. And uh, going to be wearing semi on the back of your jersey today. But right now, things are real good for you. Everything's kind of clicking.
0: Well, yeah, sometimes you get those hot streaks where you just feel really good in the box. You're taking balls in the dirt uh, for the most part and uh, swinging at strike. And right now my, my swing feels good, so you just want to put yourself in a good position to use it. So, you know, we have a lot of national people on
1: here, whether it's broadcasters or writers here on A's Cast Live, and you've been talked a lot, a lot about. Is everybody so impressed with your game, how you play every single day, you're now getting more spotlight than you've ever had before. What's that been like for
0: you? Well, that's, that's always good. I think us winning helps. Um, you know, we had a good week against two of the top teams in the AL, and people are starting to see what we're doing. Uh, being on the West Coast, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the networks don't see us play. It's just late for them on the East Coast. Um, but we're doing some good things. We're playing good baseball, and we've got a lot of underrated players, I think, and um, some superstars on the corners and solid pitching right now so it's been good baseball
1: yeah the starters you know we thought that was going to be maybe the achilles heel of this team in 2019 but talk about how especially the five-year-old out there right now have been rock solid
0: yeah they all can pitch and i think bassett's been a big one for us you know he he had a slow start to his career he had the injury he had um, some bad luck in there his first year and now he's um, i think being around these guys Like Fires, Tanner, Homer, uh, B.A., you know, he's really learning how to pitch, and it's been great to watch. I think the guys who use the four-seam and the two-seam are the the toughest guys to face for me, and I see pretty much all of our pitchers doing that.
1: Yeah, I know you're not somebody that likes to talk about himself, but I think of, and I've been talking about, you know, when you look at leadership, there's there's guys who are rah-rah guys, and then there's guys who lead by example. You play every single day. It's what you do. You want to play every single inning. Talk about how that—that that is the way you help lead this team because you're definitely one of the leaders, but you're doing it by example. What does that mean to you?
0: Uh, that's thats exactly right. That's what I try and do. Um, you know, we, we all have a routine out there. I really enjoy the process of getting better every single day. Um, a lot goes into it behind the scenes in the weight room, in the cage, and um, for the most part all of our guys are already on it. But I, I just try and make sure I'm on it even more now being one of the older guys and um, you know it's it's been pretty easy to you know for the young guys to transition to the big leagues because they already had that work ethic. So it's been it's been a good uh, good group to play with for sure. I looked at the
1: the stretch of Giants, Astros, Yankees, Giants as key for you guys getting into the postseason. If you could get through this, and you're not only getting through it, you're, like, plowing through it. What's the confidence like of this ball club right now, especially three out of four from Houston and then sweeping the Yankees?
0: Um, Yeah, we, you know, we felt good going into those series. We knew Houston had that firepower with the new uh, rotation they have, and we we held our own. Um, You know, I think missing Cole helped us too. Garrett Cole gave us a lot of trouble. Him being out helped us. and then the Yankees, we just we just swung the bats well and pitched well, and I think we've been playing them well here. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they don't feel comfortable playing here or what, but it, it makes you think about last year, if we could have hosted here against them, how the game would have been. Um, but we'll get to face them again in New York, and that will be tough.
1: You know what I love about where you guys are right
0: here? You're in a
1: virtual tie for the second wild card But I think your destiny's in your own hands at this point. If you keep winning, you're going to be in the postseason. Isn't that a great
0: spot to be? Uh, No doubt. I think that um, that's always been our attitude. Um, You know, if we handle our business, no matter who our opponent is, that, um, you know, we'll be okay. And I think the American League is stacked, so that's going to have to be our attitude going forward. And playing in this infield right now, when
1: you talk about, you know, these two young guys, and they look up to you for what you do and you've helped them. But just talk about the special Chapman is and Olsen. We know what they do
0: offensively, but just how special they are defensively. Well, yes, I think it's well known now that, um, you know, those two, you got Olsen picking everything, reaching for everything, uh, making plays in the hole, the double play the other day. He had a couple double plays that were just, I don't think many guys are making those plays. So um, now it just seems like we're all used to it. That's just what they do. And it's, you can't take it for granted it's it's two of the best corner guys in the game and that's they're going to be there for a long time
1: yeah i, I was asked yesterday i did a, after, after my show i did a radio interview on KNBR, and they were asking me you know what is it about this team and i said well you know i know everybody focuses on the power i said the two things we've already addressed one is the starting pitching but i think really the hallmark of your team is how good your defense is the defense the past couple of years has been fabulous
0: yeah, that's winning us ball games. I think that the the close games that we lost my first couple of years here were because of defense. And, um, you know, you win a lot of 2-1 games, 1-0 games because you're making plays and you're taking hits away, and it's demoralizing for an offense, um, the opposing offense, if you're taking away hits and shutting down innings that way. And I think about your defense what was the point
1: where it turned all around from scuffling and making the airs to now there's a good chance you're going to win the gold glove this year. I mean, there's a good, what was it? When, when, when did the light go on? When did it change for you?
0: Well, I think it's still a a work in progress, honestly, but um, you know, I think last year spring training, I felt like make the routine play and just um, go into it every time, getting that ball out of my glove, getting a good grip, the rhythm of it just started to click, and um, the more you do it every day, the, the better it gets. The more reps you get at shortstop as a an everyday guy for five years, the better you're going to get if you work at it. And um, I feel like that's a lot of it, and we, I have help at first base, of course. You know, Any throw you make that's a little wide or low, it's, he seems to be cleaning it up, so that helps too.
1: So these nicknames that are going to be on the back of the jerseys today. I have a nickname for a guy that is very special to you. And that's Mark Canna. And I think his nickname should be duct tape cuz you know how if anything's broken, you duct tape it. And I think what he's done at DH, I think what he's done in right field and now what he's doing in center field. I mean, this is a premium defensive position and he's playing it every day. He's like duct tape for you guys.
0: Yeah, he's game. I think that um Bob calls him Iguodala just like the for the Warriors. He's nobody really um appreciate them honestly nobody knows about him you look at the board and he's got 19 homers his ops his all these analytics everything looks great and uh, we're just throwing him out there every day no matter what position it is and he's helping us win
1: yeah i i remember when he got here we were trying to figure out where's he gonna play is he a dh is he a first baseman can he play third no one would have
0: ever did you know he could play center field uh, I knew he was a good athlete. I played with him in college, so I knew that um, you know he has a football background in high school. He's a, I think he was a receiver, uh, so he can go get it. Uh, he can run a little bit. You know, he he was always first base, left field, or right field. And then, but a lot of times, center field can be easier because you see the ball better. It's uh, less spin on the ball, um, so he, he's really looking good out there.
1: Well, let's end on this. You, you know, obviously you being a Bay Area guy, you know, growing up in the city and, and going to Cal and, and your wife, Cal, you know, everybody wants you to stay here long term. I just want you to know that. And that's something that on the postgame show, because so many people have talked about, well, you got to get this guy inked up or this guy inked up. You're now a topic of conversation of, an extension and being here long term. I just want you to know that that you you became you've become a big priority for the fans. They want you to be here long term.
0: Well, that's good to know. I mean, um, my family. You know, we're like I said, we're from here. I say it all the time. We're home. I get to play in the major leagues at my home. I get to. The only time I leave home is spring training. So we. It's very, very convenient for us to be home and not have to pick up and move around. Um, playing with, you know, the best group of guys you can play with. A uh, young group, a talented group. Um, we're winning ball games, and I'm home. So that that's exactly what I want.
1: My late father used to say this, and I actually said this to your father up in the treehouse when talking about you. I told your father, you can tell he was raised right. And you're a class act, and you're great for this organization. We always appreciate your time before a game coming over here. Thank you so much. Good luck against the Giants, and uh, let's take this thing to the postseason. All right, let's do it. When you really think about that team, and we were talking to Steve Vucinich earlier, who's been here since 1968, is the thing about that team, you guys were rock stars. I was in high school at the time, and I remember just the big personalities that you had. I mean, the great
4: players, but you guys were it in baseball. You know, what was interesting about that season is we did have a lot of fans that but but we had a lot of fans on the road a lot of times when we'd be in kansas city or someplace like that there'd be as many oakland A's jerseys and coats and hats and stuff like that as there were uh, royals and other teams and you think the personalities
1: from jose canseco i mean it's just you think about hindu i mean just the person they meant obviously it worked but you guys were you were a traveling road show
5: we had a cast of characters i mean there's no doubt about it but uh Uh, The thing that was fun about it is when it was time to play ball we went out there and did what we had to do And that's one through nine. That's our pitching staff. That's our bullpen. That was everybody We had a great time But as you're mentioning though, we had that same cast of characters We got to spend you know eight eight months with so uh, you know hotels traveling and and you know the stories And the stuff that happened was was just as much fun off the field as what we got accomplished on the field
1: You know it's sad the earthquake obviously what it did to the Bay Area but also what it did to that World Series, how it just it changed that World Series, made it different than any other. What was it like, the celebration after? Because I don't think it was like a normal celebration like most teams, when it, whether they win a championship in any sport.
4: No, actually, you know, after most teams, when they win a World Championship like that, they're popping champagne and so forth in the clubhouse. Well, they, they didn't have that for us there. They didn't think it was appropriate, uh, the A's front office. So they actually, when we bust back here, we had champagne here, so we had to wait till the bus got back here but uh yeah it was, it was still phenomenal but it wasn't the normal celebration we didn't get the uh the parade and all that yeah so, you know but they kind of made up for that a uh, couple years ago so
1: yeah because that's a, th- good that's <laughs> the thing that i think about now especially with the teams from the 70s you grew up watching carney is like it's like it's it's like they never really got their due and it's a great thing about the ace front office now is that these teams, your guys' team yeah. and the 70s teams, are being honored and you're getting your due.
5: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's for the fans. You know what I mean? We, we had such a good time playing. We remember, you know, we were playing. This place was full. And when we first started, Carney, you know, was here longer than I was. You know, attendance wasn't great. But the A's put together, a, you know, a solid team. We were playing. We were winning. We were having fun. And it was awesome to see the people just start coming, coming and rooting and, and Hindu section out there. And, <laughs> and you know, the whole, the whole thing just grew and turned out to be just a phenomenal ride.
1: No doubt, it was a phenomenal ride. And are we, in ha- do you know how many guys are going to actually be showing up from the team for tomorrow?
4: I actually don't know, but there was a couple that, that I wasn't sure if they were going to be here that are already here. So I get we won't even know until tomorrow. I'm sure some guys will be coming in tomorrow morning.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a, a packed house, and, and you know, for a lot of us, you know, we. The 70s teams were, you know, there's only two organizations that have won three straight. Yeah. That's the Yankees and the A's. You guys had that opportunity. I, I recently had Tony LaRusso on the program. He says, to this day, it still bothers him that he did. <laughs> I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, but it still bothers him. Does it bother you guys that you didn't win more?
4: Uh, it does. You know, every time I see Tony, we talk about the same thing. that We felt we should have won at least two of those World Series. And, you know, the first one, I think, with the, against the Dodgers, we had swept the Red Sox in the playoffs. So, you know, we were sitting around for a while while the Dodgers and the, the Mets were playing a five-game, you know, series, and so they were like, "We just I don't think we played enough uh, inner squad games and stuff like that to stay sharp offensively, so that wasn't our best series.
1: Yeah, that happens in baseball quite a bit. It's, it's great to go out and whack somebody, but then baseball's a game that's supposed to be played every day, and when you're not playing it every day, kind of changes the routine.
5: You don't have that magic formula, you know. You don't have that 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 potion that you know exactly what's right. There might be some teams that struggled, you know, down the end to make the playoffs. It might be better for a team like that, you know, to get some rest. Uh, our case, you know, winning the amount of games that we did, and as Carney alluded to, you know, sweeping Boston. Um, yeah, you know, I think though that that time off uh, might have been spent a little bit differently. But I also want to say too, you know, you got to remember when you go into those games, we expect to win you know so yeah so is, is there a disappointment that we you know I don't want to say only but we only won the one out of three yeah because I mean our whole process was going out there and winning and when you fall you know that much short you know that's kind of a tough pill to swallow
4: Yeah, know when you think oh, go ahead oh I was going to say you know to that point too you know um we learned from that situation not not staying sharp or whatever so when that earthquake happened in 89 Tony in the front office made the decision to fly the whole team back to Arizona and we got there and we had a packed crowd. We're facing our own pitchers in inter-squad games. So, you know, the Giants have stayed here and took batting practice at Candlestick Park, kind of the same thing we did the year before. So when we came back, we were in midseason, in mid-season form where I think they struggled a little bit. Out yeah, of the
1: and facing those pitchers? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to keep you sharp. <laughs> and, you know, one thing that, that I love about your team, I mean, you guys were all stars, and you already had, you know, Ricky Anderson, one of the greatest players of all time, talk about Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. But then you had these guys. Like Dave Stewart became a star once he got into Oakland. His issues, and then now he becomes an, a Hall of Fame closer. So you had guys that were remade here underneath the umbrella of, of Tony La
4: Russa. Right, and I remember when Stu first joined our team, our starting pitching was, was so bad, we were in a bad shape. And he actually met us on the road and threw a bullpen for Dave Duncan and Tony La Russa and uh, they ended up signing him in his first start he's facing roger clemens in in Fenway park and the odds of us winning that at that point but he outpitched him and always did from that day on and he, he never let roger out him so was a, that was a really interesting story.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, the battles that you had with, with, with Stu and, and Roger Clem. What was it like catching Stu? Because this guy's won in 20 games. He's fierce. He's mean. That forkball that he had, what was it like catching him? It's awesome.
5: Like you said, he's going to win 20 games. I mean, you know, as players, if, if Stu took the mound, when he took the mound, again, you know, we expected to win. Um, but he was, uh, he was fun out there. Um, he was so determined. Um, you know, the way he executed his pitches, the way he went about his preparation, the way he, he trained himself. And he was, uh, he was probably one of the best uh, number one guys, I think, that we could ever had. He wanted that matchup. If, if we had a, you know, a two-game losing streak or something, Stu's the guy we wanted out there to break that thing and get us back on the winning track. You know what's
4: an interesting, interesting story as far as that goes? If you remember Joaquin Andahar, he came over to us from uh, St. Louis Cardinals. He had won 20 games over in the National League. Well, he said one time on the bus that none of our pitchers could ever win 20 games because they didn't know how. And I remember Stu looking at him and going, is that right? I won't ever win 20 games. goes on to four straight years. Yeah. So I thank Joaquin for that, actually. Yeah. And being the black belt, I think he's the last guy you want to make angry, exactly, right? exactly,
1: And, you know, we have ref- their championships they only use five pitchers during the world series just crazy the game started to change and really with your staff now we start to see lefty specialists we started to see that talk about how that was kind of the game was changing while you guys were doing it the way bullpens were being handled
5: well it was awesome because uh tony and dunk you know were the ones who thought that where Hunnicutt you know became our left-handed specialist and i can't tell you how many games you know were won because of one big pitch of one big at bat where we could bring in you know the lefty lefty matchup the righty righty matchup with guys who were comfortable in that role and as you alluded to earlier get to Eck in the ninth you know and the game's over so it it was it was fun to uh, to to see it was fun as a catching point you know to try to plan that a little bit you know you got a a good right-handed hitter coming up and and you know we got a guy in in the pen that's successful with the guy on deck hey we'll be careful with that guy get the guy on deck
1: And you two both played in an era where baseball was really changing for the good. You're now having more games on television. The cable money starting to come into the game. Attendance is growing. What was it like to play in that era of baseball, which has really led to where we are today?
4: You know, uh, my first year with the Red Sox, 1981, um, Joe Rudy, a teammate, had a place in, in Huntington Beach or something down there, and we stayed the night at his house. And he's always reading these magazines and books and all this stuff. And he says to me one day, he goes, It's going to be amazing what happens here because pretty soon, if you're, say, a Red Sox fan and you're in California, you're going to be able to watch every single game. Same with any team. Any team that you like, you can watch all these games. And at that time, they didn't televise all of our games in Anaheim and in Boston. So um, it was kind of weird to think that that was actually going to happen, but to sit there and watch that all unfold has been crazy.
1: The lefty, Kurt Young, is with us. Always one of our favorites. How are you?
6: Hi, Chris. How are you? Nice to see you.
4: So we just
1: had Carney and Terry on, and we're going to honor your team and truly one of the great teams in the history of the game. And it's so fitting that you're going to be here so you can be a big part of it. Just how much is that going to mean to you?
6: Well, it's, it's a little bit of a different situation, you know, being in the Giants uniform. But it's all about the memories that we had and all the great things that we did really in the late 80s there with the with the three teams that we had going to the world series but you know tomorrow's about uh, celebrating winning the world series and and you can never find anything bad with that it'll be great to see all you know all the old teammates and some of the coaches are coming as well uh, so it's definitely a, a time to celebrate
1: it's amazing how much talent you guys had on that team
6: well you you could say the team Really had everything, you know. You go around the outfield, and you had monsters, and the infield was solid. We had starting pitching, we had Steiny and and Ron Hassey behind home plate, and you know we we had a lot of good parts in that team, and and that's why you end up winning.
1: No doubt about it, and I'm glad we're celebrating. I think I think the A's, this new regime, is doing an unbelievable job of. Honoring the teams in the 70s, now honoring your team because you need to celebrate that history. Because, and and I know for your group, everybody's like, "God, we only won one," but still, to go to three straight World Series and to win one is such an special accomplishment.
6: Well, you learn it the longer you're in this game, how hard it is to win, and you know the A's are doing it now with with the young core they have. The Giants had their. Their little time where, you know, winning three World Series, that's definitely some memories that they build up. But, you know, anytime you can win and win consistently, that that's that's really the pride of every organization as you go along. And and you think about those years with Tony and and Dunk and the coaches that we had and the team we had and and now you realize you see why we won.
1: You know, when I think about you and your legacy with the A's as a player. As a pitching coach, we recently had on Barry Zito. We were talking about you on the show. What does that mean to you that when we're going to look back at a lot of the great pitchers that have come through this organization and you're a part of, of, of these Cy Youngs and the greatness of these pitchers?
6: Yeah, very fortunate to be part of what we went through starting in 2004, which was a tough year right at the end, of getting in the playoffs in 2006 and advancing into – you know, the next round against the Tigers with, you know, the the Zito and the Dan Heron and the the Rich Harden and, and those kind of guys you think back about and, and you realize how good they were. And the other thing you realize how quick these guys careers can go because, you know, you look at it five, six, seven years later, they're out of baseball, which, uh, you know, you learn how to enjoy every single day with the guys you're with as a coach and, and I remember as a player, but. You know, different groups of pitchers that came through at that time and, and, you know, with the Kendall Gravemans and A.J. Griffins that we went through the playoffs with in, in 12, 13, and 14. So, it's some great memories, no doubt, and winning and, and you know, you, you do, you have some bad tastes in your mouth because you always feel like you had good enough team to, to go farther and it didn't happen.
1: So, I think about your relationship with a lot of these guys. Do you keep in touch
6: with a lot of your old pitchers? Well, with texting now, you do, and it's kind of funny. I actually, we played in Arizona last week, and I happened to see Dan Heron out on the field, uh, you know, with his kids. So you run into them on occasion, and and you know, they, I think they know you're always thinking about them, and it, it is. There's so many memories that you had with everybody, and and with, you know, the art of texting now, it's pretty easy to stay in touch.
1: So when you think about Dave Duncan, truly one of the great pitching coaches of all time, Tony Larusa, obviously in the Hall of Fame, how much in your career do you look back and do you take from them and you utilize it with the work you still even do to this day?
6: Well, quite, you know, quite a bit. Player players can read coaches very very well, and it's all about being consistent every day. You know, you're you're going to have runs of winning and you're going to go through some tough times both both as a team and individuals and, and I think that's that's the respect I try and get from these guys that I'm going to be consistent every single day good bad or in between and I think that goes a long way cuz you remember that as a pitcher you know when, when you're struggling you're looking for help you're you're trying to find some answers and and Dunk was there for me on that that situation so you know, a lot of times guys are looking for things. A lot of times they aren't. But if they are, you, you have to have some answers.
1: And think about your career as a pitching coach. You've gone from, okay, we have these analytics. We have this new data. It's the Moneyball era to now where we are, where it's StatCast. It's TrackMan. It's Soto, It's these high-tech cameras. It's amazing the technology and how it's changed the game while you've been in the game
6: exactly you know we started with a video camera that you would take a guy throwing a baseball on the side and just trying to dissect his his mechanics but you know really in general it's all it's all great information that we all can get as coaches and players now and and you have to pick the information you want maybe as a coach to pass along to them or for them as players you know they understand all the technology Maybe sometimes better than us as coaches because they've been around it so long. But you know, any any information that they can grab for themselves that can help them when they're on the mound, uh, I'm all for it. Every organization is definitely all for it, and it's all good information.
1: Eno you know Sarris so of the Athletic. We were over at your guys' yard and talking to Jeff Samarja, and he's like, "I don't want any of it." So it's an interesting. Some players really delve into it and want it, and some guys want no part of it. How, how, do you, how do you deal with that as a pitching coach?
6: Well, it's really an individual thing. You know, Shark, I mean, there's been times where we got some information on him throwing on the side that I think maybe helped us and maybe some pitch calling stuff in games coming up. So either way, there's information, whether it's, you know, a guy's split is doing the right thing or his fastball is right where it should be. So that's the pitch you're going to go to the majority of the time. But uh, like I say, it's an individual thing. If guys want it, we have it. Our analytical staff has it, and we'll definitely put it into play.
1: Let's end on this. Years ago, I'll never forget. I was standing right over here, and you came down the tunnel. You said, thank you for last night. And it was when I was ripping people, and my I, I, I get in this fight with these young guys all the time. Oh, pitchers' records don't matter. And I go, do not
6: tell a starting pitcher his record does not matter. Do you remember that post-game show? Absolutely, Chris. I mean, you know, that, that's the personal thing. I mean, you pitch a game, you perform, numbers are numbers. But any starting pitcher or reliever that has a save next to his name or a W next to his name, I truly believe that's definitely a, a gain of confidence going into your next game. Whether you do give up runs, you get a win next to your name. It, it gives you a feeling of accomplishment and definitely helps you going forward. Now, you know, that, that L gets next to your name as well as a pitcher, and, and, and those are things that, You know, you got to help them get over, get beyond. Your your next game is the most important one.
1: Emo tipped me off. He goes, Yeah, we used to be listening to you on the way home. And I'm like, Why didn't you guys ever call in?
6: (laughs) Well, you had too many callers. We didn't want to be 25th on the list.
1: <laughs> you would have got to front of the line. You know how much you mean to this fan base and to this organization. We truly do miss you. We, we, we wish you all the best with the Giants, and I think it's going to be real special to get you guys all together tomorrow. 1989, truly one of the greatest baseball teams of all time. So enjoy that with all your guys. We're going to have a lot of fun.
6: Appreciate that, Chris.
1: Arguably the greatest player to have ever lived, Oakland's own, ricky henderson ricky hey it is great to have you back on the program oh thank you very much
7: you know i didn't think i left but i'm glad i'm back <laughs> well you've never left you've always been an a you'll be an a the field's named after you right there you go there you go the field is uh named after me and it's, it's a great feeling and, and uh you know i'm so blessed behind that because you know i would have never expected something like this would ever happen to a to me or maybe to a ball player, because I never have it, saw it happen that you know they name a field out of a player.
1: Yeah, I remember talking to you and Dave Stewart at the same time about how you guys used to sneak into this yard as little kids, and now you're having a day like this.
7: Oh, yeah, you know uh, it, it was great though, you know, like you said, when we was a kid, we didn't really have the money or something like that for us to buy a ticket, and then they had like a wire fence. In center field, and we got a lot of the kids together, and we, and we we had a plan that, you know, we can get in the ball game, we, we bend the fence back, but, you know, you got to get in and run, you, if you get caught, that's, that's up on you, so I, I think that's where I developed some of my speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and
1: I've been talking about this today, and it's great, you know, knowing what an A's fan you are, is... We're now celebrating all the great teams, not only your team, and we'll talk about your team being one of the greatest teams of all time, uh-huh. 1989, but the way we've celebrated the 70s teams, and you watched those teams as a kid.
7: Yeah, yeah, them some great team. It was, it was a fun to come out to see them team. I think they gave us the momentum, okay, the, you know, the kids that were around, uh, ideal if they want to play sport to come and see them play and, and, and see how fun, much fun they was having. So it gave me a, a chance to go out and, and figure out that I can play baseball, too. What, what was it like for you? You're in New York. You come back to Oakland,
1: and you come back to Oakland to bring a world championship to your hometown.
7: Oh, it was a, it, it really was a, a blessing for me. It was a change. I think I had been in New York for four years or so like that. And in my last year on my contract, you know, I thought I was going to get a, a, a redid, my contract. And, you know, I was pushing to get a new contract. And it was taking a while. And I think when I was going out on the field, I was trying to uh, do too much, and I wasn't doing doing anything. So, you know, I would, really wasn't that happy. And I think I got new life when the A's des- decided to trade from me. And I got new life and, and came over to a great team that, you know, was well Uh, balance and and they was looking for a spark plug and I think I gave them that spark plug
1: well you think about great teams of all time you played against them you've won championships with multiple teams but just talk about the greatness of the 1989 team which I think is truly one of the greatest
7: teams to ever lace them up I I think you know that team was uh really special and you know you know we played outstanding on the field. We played together. But the, the the biggest part about that I think we had built a, a family relationship with each and one another. We seems that we uh help one another for us on the field and often feels that you know we got the opportunity to when we go on the road trip we always had a team Uh, dinner or a team going out on the town and and having fun but we always seemed that we was together with one another and that's what made that team so special
1: you guys were rock stars yeah i mean when (laughs) when you think about it ricky i mean you guys were rock stars you were the you were the biggest thing in sports yeah
7: we were just talking so everywhere we went you know we had everybody you know talking about the A. so if you said we were a rock star we was you know that special team that, you know, we brought attention to the fans all over the baseball. So you know, it was fun that just, you know, when we go into a different town, the fans was pulling for us, and the, and, the, and some of the fans was, you know, not putting for us. But when we went out there and played the game right the right way, they seemed to get on the bandwagon with us. When you got here,
1: it had to be like there's nobody's going to beat us, right? Did you guys have that mentality, nobody's going to beat us?
7: I think when I got here, they, they felt – uh uh they had the team that, you know, they can go out and pretty much compete and nobody would beat them. Well, then when I came over there and, and and gave them that spark plug or I was that guy that can get on base and create stuff, then we felt that, you know, it's no way can anybody beat us. But we went through the same situation when we was in uh, Cincinnati and we got beat. But, you know, we had a little uh, hiccup or something like that. I think Hosey got so mad that uh, him and Tony went on the same page and, and we couldn't even uh, – uh, put that piece back in the puzzle, so I think that's what destroyed us in in, in that series.
1: What was it like playing for Tony Larusa? Oh,
7: it was great, you know. He, you know, he was a a big time strategy type uh, manager. Uh, he knew the game. And, uh, you know, he knew his players, you know, his players around and what they can do and what they can't do. And, it, and each and every day to me it was always funny that, you know, I used to come to the ballpark and uh, and I see Tony and and he goes, uh, uh, let me look into your eyes. And he's looking in the eye and then he goes, oh, you're going to have a good day today. we all right. We're going to win this ballgame today. I said, how can you tell we're going to win the ball game? He said, well, yeah, well, you, at? Where you eye looking at me. <laughs> so he was always coming and, and seeing how, how we feel what was going on with us and he always seemed like he gave us that little boost.
1: Carney Lansford on the show yesterday said every single day taking ground balls. Tony Tony would come up to him and go, "You ready today?" Yeah. <laughs> every he said every day. So <laughs> it, it, he which I think is, you know, we're in a people business, right? I mean, uh-huh. you got to manage the people. Yes. It seemed that like Tony really went out of his way to reach out to you guys every
7: day. Yes, to see how we was feeling and 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 really what was going on. It, that day, uh, you know, like you said, you know, you getting your work in and and how you feel, you know. And he always had the positive attitude of what we was going to do. Uh, you know, you're going to have a great day. He always gave us that little extra boost.
1: Now, you're still with the Oakland Athletics, and, and I know we all appreciate it. What is it like for you now to take your expertise in this game and pass it down to the younger generation?
7: Oh, you know, it's great. that You know, that's the, that's the beauty about it. I think when I was coming through the league, and uh, the veteran guys like that, I used to always go up and talk to them, and they gave me the knowledge for us to go on out to making me the players I was. So I just l- like to go and share my knowledge of, of, of what players is going through, and if I can help them in a way, and then I'm, I, I I got the time to help them. And I always tell each and every player I'm around, so don't be afraid to come and talk to me because I'm a really uh, a talkable person. And if you need something, that I can help you. I'll be willing to help you.
1: You think we'll get back to a time where we start seeing more stolen bases again and we start seeing more productivity on the bags?
7: I hope so. You know, I, I hope so. I think the game have got away from uh, uh, <clears throat> the fundamental of the game or how to win a ball game. You know, we used to do a lot more bun, bun the guys over, hit and run, a lot of time to sque- squeeze. I think they got away from that that type of uh, baseball. And I'm hoping that it's come back, that th- how to create. Uh, to win a ball game, right now I think we're trying to beat the shift, and 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 sometimes in my mind I'm I'm wondering if they playing the game to win or they just playing the game to see what they can get out of the game. See, can they beat the shift and stuff like that? I think if you
1: played today, mm-hmm. leading off hitting forty home runs a year, uh-huh. launch angle.
7: <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm so uh, hard. I'm so hard on the launch angle. Because I don't think every every player should be working on a launch angle because they're not that. Some players are not the type of a player that you know, like a home run hitter, and we all get in a launch angle. You know, you see a lot more home run now. Maybe I don't know what the reason the pitcher said the ball is is a lot harder than it used to be. But uh, to for me to go to the minor league system and try to teach the kids about a launch angle and they don't even know how to hit a baseball, I think that's sort of like put a lot more pressure on the young kids that they learn them uh, the way we was taught for is just just to hit the line dry, you know, not worry about the home run or lift angle or something like that. Be able to make good contact.
1: You know, I think about you as a man of the community, as I've seen you for years at Raider games and you're around, whether it's A's games, Raiders games. I mean, Oakland, you, you're such a big part of what this is and and this celebration today, 1989, um, the field's named after
7: you for a reason. Uh, I can say it's probably named after a reason because, you know, <clears throat> I always got into the uh, the fans and I got into the community because, you know, I think what's so special about it, as great a ball player we is, but uh, I don't think we can – play the game, enjoy the game, and we didn't have the fi- fans behind us. It's pulling for the pushing for love, and loving us at the same time.
1: Well, it's always an honor to have you on the program, one of the greatest players to have ever lived the Hall of Famer. <laughs> Go enjoy your your, your, your teammates because we're celebrating truly one of the greatest teams of all time. We always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Well, he's one of my favorites all time, a Bay Area guy and a Hall of Famer, truly one of the great pitchers of all time. Dennis Eckersley is here to celebrate 1989 and what a year it was for you and your teammates. This is going to be a special moment today. It is, it is. I mean,
8: I think the older you get and you know you get away from the game for a long time, not playing and and to look back, and, and you know, I played a long time and that only one world championship, one out of twenty-four years, so it's meaningful to me to say the least. And because of the Bay Area. Yeah, you brought a championship home. Yeah. You know, looking back at that, you know, that year, I mean, we were so hungry to win that championship after the uh, Dodgers series the year before with the Kirk Gibson thing. For me personally, I mean, I was grinding. Luckily, I only had to grind for one year. And it all ended well. You know what I'm saying? Look, not so much, you know, obviously the earthquake was devastating, but they continued that World Series and we did win it. And for me personally, you know, getting the last out. The last out at first base, I had the ball in the glove. I mean, it does not get any better than that. Well, and
1: also because you grew up going to games at Candlestick Park.
8: Yes, back in the olden days when it was freezing there. Not that it wasn't then, maybe. But uh, that's my memory. I was a giant fan, you know, Juan Marichal. That's why I had the big leg kick, Willie Mays. And then to have the one world championship where I, you know, I'm in Candlestick. I got the last ball in my hand. I mean, it meant meant the world to me.
1: I can tell you you were so loved by this fan base to this day I mean we think about this 89 team you guys were rock stars you were guys you know how, how we see the NFL yeah. I mean you're working in Boston now the Patriots yeah you guys were like an NFL team you guys were rock stars back then
8: I guess you know you get looking back on it you know because we had the, the Bash brothers right we yeah. were like and we come to town Ricky could style you know we had a lot of you know we had a lot of swag right and uh, I was a part of it. I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't think of it like that. But, I, but at the same time, he took a lot of pride in being, you know, playing for the A's and coming to town. You know, here we come, and we're going to kick your ass, you know. And that's, uh, you know, looking back at it, just I, 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 fond memories.
1: No doubt about it. And, and, and you talk about the disappointment of 88 just made you guys. You were not losing in 89. Right. It
8: didn't matter who they put in front of you. Yeah. You weren't losing. It's easy to say now that we did win it. But it all came together. It just did in 89 that it didn't in, in 88. And there's a lot of different reasons for it. Who knows? But, you know, uh, the greatest teams in the world, just, if they don't get it together in the playoffs, they're long forgotten. Right? If you don't win the whole thing, it's all got forgotten. And uh, thank goodness it all came together because we swung the bat is what we did and Ricky was the man I think he was the difference maker in 89 because we got him in June I believe and he just put us over the top you know he gave us we, we had the power you know but we didn't have that you know, those are the games you could win two to one one to nothing because just Ricky a Ricky <laughs> run would win the game and then we had starting pitching that you never see anymore that's that's history right nobody pitches like that 20 game winner nine, to 19 game winners I mean starting pitchers that got wins that doesn't happen anymore and then the creation of really what Tony La Russa is all about. You know, the game's like this because Tony La Russa did this whole thing. I mean, he was an innovator with this bullpen. You know, piecing the last game together. Now they piecing the whole game together. Well, you know? I know, I know.
1: And, and I talk about because I was in high school when you guys were doing this. So it's like yeah. you guys are that team. You gravitate to greatness, and you guys were that team. And I think of – what Dave Duncan and Tony La Russa did for your career helped you pave the way to go to Cooperstown. Yeah, I mean, I was put together. The
8: stars lined up for me, man. I was done. I came from the Cubs. I was a lamb. I was sizzled. You know, I was about done. And I found my way to the bullpen with those guys that knew what they were doing, and it gave me, it gave me life, and it gave me, you know, the time I spent with Oakland. Turned my whole career around. I mean, there's a lot of people involved with that. So I was blessed, man. It was, it was supposed to happen, and here I, I'm supposed to be
1: here right now. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and I know you got to leave, and it's always great to have you on. Hopefully we can do something down the line a little bit longer. But just truly as somebody that, as you said, blessed, and to do it in your hometown, family, today, what does it all mean for you just to be back today here, back home and back with your guys? You know
8: it's just happening now. I mean, I have a hard time with, with the moment. The older you get... You realize how precious the moments are, and this is a moment, right? This is a moment. It's not. I could be cool. i could be. I should be not Mr. Cool, man. Everything's cool. Meanwhile, hey, you gotta, you gotta feel it, you know, because these are precious moments. Moments, and this is my, my lifetime in the Bay Area. This, I'm a, I'm a Bay Area kid, you know, that hauled ass, and I've been
1: gone like 40 years, <laughs> and it means more to me now than it probably did then. Well, you know what? Yeah. It's always a, a pleasure. Continued success with the broadcasting. Go enjoy your guys, and you we'll talk to you soon. Uh,
8: enjoyed it. thank man.
1: Dave Stewart is with us. Stu, it was great seeing you yesterday, and congratulations on this wonderful honor.
9: Hey, thank you very much. It was a, it was a beautiful day. Thank you so much.
1: You know, I, you and I, we talked a little bit yesterday, uh, right before you went on with, with Ken and Vince and Coco, and to think about how... You and Ricky Henderson used to sneak into the Coliseum to where now Ricky Henderson has the the field named after him. And you're now have not only are you in the A's hall of fame in the first class, but you're now having your Jersey number retired. You guys have come a long way since sneaking in back in the day.
9: (laughs) I would have to say so. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm having, having my number retired huge honor, um, uh, considering that you look at the names that have been up there and they're all Hall of Famers. Um, I'll be uh, the first uh, non-Hall of Famer that uh, that they've honored in this way. And, you know, growing up in the area, blocks away from the Coliseum, seeing the, you know, the A's come to town in 68 and, and then win the championships in 72, 73, and 74, um, it's just unbelievable. It really, is, is, it's a dream come true. No doubt about
1: it. And I think not only do you have the announcement yesterday, but you also get to celebrate it with the 1989 championship team. That had to make it even more special, that you got to celebrate with your guys who met, who you made history with.
9: I've got some great, great friendships uh, from that ball team and, uh, you know, just great memories. I mean, those guys were a lot of those guys um, – weren't just with the 89 team we were together in 88 90 and up until the time uh you know we did we made the playoffs in 92 um a lot of those guys were were teammates carney lanchard i go back to 1986 when i first came to the a's ricky henderson i go back to to childhood although dave henderson wasn't there uh, dave henderson i go back to the minor leagues tony phillips And I shared uh, the same agent, Um, Bobby Welch, and I go back to the days of when we were with the Dodgers, uh, being drafted by the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of memories. Most of those guys uh, are like family members to me even still today, and it was just a a great group of guys to to have had the opportunity to play with.
1: You know, when you come to the A's and they sign you, and I think your first appearance was actually against uh, the Red Sox and Roger Clemens, what was it about coming to the A's that all of a sudden, in your career, it all clicked and everything changed and you became one of the best pitchers in
9: the game? That's just crazy. Um, A lot of people remember that game, but I'd come to the A's long before that appearance. I just sat around for a great period of time while Jackie Moore and Wes Stock were the pitching coach and the manager here. Um, Tony LaRussa came to the ball club, um, and that was my first start for Tony. Um, but I had been a part of this, this, this team uh, before that just wasn't getting very much playing time. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's crazy, uh, when Tony came and Dave Duncan came, um, how things, um, in my career, um, took a different direction. Having that guidance and being able to start that game for him and, and then, becoming a, uh, a person that was in the rotation every fourth or fifth day. Um, it was just a, a big stepping stone for me.
1: Dave Duncan, such a special pitching coach, and I, and I love how Tony always gives him his due and, and his credit because, you know, truly from his time with Oakland all the way to St. Louis, what was it like being under Dave, and, and what did he do to really help you blossom?
9: For well, one, it was a confidence factor. Um, I, I had a pitch that I thought was a good pitch. I learned uh, before I actually came to the A's uh, with, the, with the fork ball, um, but had lost confidence in using the pitch because so many people told me that it wasn't a good pitch. Um, dunk in my first start against Boston saw the pitch, liked the pitch, and encouraged me to use the pitch. Um, and, you know, it becomes history from there. Um the, the key factor with, with Dave Duncan, um, even more than encouragement and using the pitch, um, he taught me things about pitching in general, the the mental side of pitching and pitching a situation and count and putting myself in a higher percentage situations by being aggressive, by using this thought process in these situations. And, and it helped my maturity and it helped actually Um, It helped me to actually mentally be able to pitch with my physical ability, and and, and it made such a a big, big difference.
1: And I think about you in the postseason, and right now I'm looking at your postseason record, you know, a career ERA in the postseason of 2.77. What was it about you in the big moments in the huge games where your game rose to another level?
9: You know, I wish I, wished I could, could answer that question, and, and um, uh, but I, I quite frankly, I, I, I don't have an answer. I just know that um, I, I, I wanted to be in those situations. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to pitch against the other side's best. Um, and, um, you know, I never thought about the negative side of it. I only saw the the that, that could happen, winning that first game, giving us our, first, our best foot forward. Um, and you know, losing just never really, really occurred to me. It never occurred that that could happen for me. I always felt that I was going to have an opportunity to win a baseball in those situations. I looked forward to it. So I guess the first part is you have to want to be there. And once you're there, I think everything just kind of plays out.
1: Well, yeah, you're a World Series MVP. You're a two-time ALCS MVP, so the moment was never too big. And, and you go to Toronto towards the end of your career, and you win another championship with Toronto Blue Jays. You know, not only was your team in 1989 fantastic, but that was a terrific team in Toronto. What was it like for you winning a championship north of the border?
9: You know, I played with some great guys. Um... Uh, Joe Carter, uh, Paul Molitor, you know, Robbie Alomar, Ola Root, Devon White. Um, I played with some really, really good guys there. Uh, Jack Morse was on that pitching staff. Pat Henkin was young then. Todd Stottlemyre, Juan Guzman. And then in the back end, we had uh, we had Henke, and we also had Dwayne Ward. So... Um, I left one team uh, with the A's and, and went to another team similar um, in Toronto. Tito um, Gaston was a player's manager similar to uh, Tony Larusa, and so it was a good bunch of guys. I never thought about the fact that I was in Toronto winning the championship. My goal um, in leaving when I left Oakland was to win one more time before retirement, and I knew retirement was close. Um, and so I wanted to win one more time, and um, and I was fortunate. Uh, Pat Gillick called immediately uh, the first day of a of free agency, availability in free agency, and things, things went uphill from there. And, uh, and I was just real fortunate to play with a, a great bunch of guys, and once again a, a great manager.
1: And, and I, I think about the success that you had even after – your playing time, especially as a pitching coach, you went to the world series with the Padres in 1998 and Bruce Bochy. What was that like? And and how much of Dave Duncan did you use with your pitchers in San Diego? When you helped get that team to the world series.
9: Well, I never, never got a chance to thank Kevin towers uh, for, for putting me in that situation. It wasn't something that I initially wanted to do. Um, and, we took a trip to Mexico. At the time, I was working in the office for the Padres. We took a trip to Mexico to uh, confirm our, our relationship with the team in Yucatan. And uh, in that trip, um, Kevin told me that he thought I'd be be good at it, and that I would, and that uh, I would be the guy that he would pick if I wanted to take the job. And when we got on the plane, and he first approached me with it. I was all no. And by the time we got on the plane to come back, um, I was convinced that it was something that I can do. I wasn't sure that I would even be able to do it because I'd never coached before in any capacity other than, you know, helping out in the instructional league with the Oakland A's. And so um, Kevin Kevin, uh, put me in that position to do it. And then everything um, that I I did, and how I patterned myself, how I modeled uh, my conversations, everything uh, was Dave Duncan. Uh, I learned a lot from Dave Duncan. Um, And the biggest thing that I learned is that sometimes coaching is keeping your mouth shut. Um, Duncan um, never spoke until he really had something to say. He didn't feel that he had to be feeding you information all the time, all the time. Um, Sometimes that can be an overload. Um, Dunk was the kind of coach that if he didn't feel you were going to hurt yourself physically, he didn't change things with your mechanics. Um, He worked with what you had. And then the other important part and the major part is the biggest biggest process in pitching is preparing a guy mentally to get into battle. Um, And um, I thought that for me, you know, we had spring training classes for these guys talking about pitching, pitching situations, um, having them understand counts um, and how to maneuver in different different situations that take place while you're pitching. And um, so everything that I did was patterned after Dave Duncan. And, you know, on the
1: NFL Network, they have a show called A Football Life. And I, I think... MLB needs a copy that because I think of your career you know we mentioned now as a pitching coach then you become a sports agent then you become a general manager you're doing television today with NBC California you have truly had a baseball life do you ever sit back and reflect and and realize man I've done just about everything I mean the only thing you got left to do is be the commissioner of the sport you know
9: what I've what I've it, the, the, and to a fault, um, I I really I really just get into the moment. Um, when I was a player, all I thought about was all I thought about was what I had to do on 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 that given day, and what my next assignment was. And then after after my playing days, um, I I thought about what's important now? And it was the thing that Lou Holtz always said, um, and he used the initials, W-I-N, what's important now? And so I've always been that kind of guy. I don't think that I've ever really taken a moment to just look at the places that I've been and the the accomplishments in the game, Um, the people that have touched me. um, I've been well aware of who they are. Um, and I, I just feel really really blessed to have had a great group of people around me through through my career um, you know starting with Reggie, Reggie Smith and, and Davey Lopes, Lloyd Campanella, Don Newcomb, some of the big names when I came to, 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 to the Dodger organization and Sandy Colfax uh, actually a, having a direct a, a direct touch on on my pitching and how I pitched um, but uh, you know, I've been really, really blessed to, to be able to, to be in this game. And I'm not too sure that uh, if, I, if I took the time to look at where I'd been, that I'd be enjoying it as much as I do, because every day is a treat for me to be able to be around the ballpark, to be around players, to be involved in the game. And in this particular time, to be able to talk to people over the air and have them explain, have them understand what takes place in the game. During the course of the game, um, the, the strategy inside the game—it's it, just so much fun.
1: Well, I, I, I look at your resume, and, and as we said, you've done basically everything in the game. Long term for you, where do you see Dave Stewart? What, what, what do you want to continue to do long term in this game?
9: You know, I don't know. I mean, I want to, I want to just continue to be around it. I mean, God has, God has really been good to me. And in the the sense that I can honestly say for all of my adult life and all of my childhood, I've been able to live my dream, to be in the game of baseball, to play the game of baseball, to be able to pass on the traditions and the things that I've learned in the game to some of the younger players in the game. Um, You know, I just want to, this is what I want my life to be. I want it to be baseball in any capacity that I can be involved. Um, as, as long as there's a place for me, um, whether it's representing players, if it's to do work in the A's organization. I've got some history with the San Diego Padres. Um, it doesn't really matter. I just want to be around the game.
1: Well, we do know this. Nobody will ever again wear your number, the number 34. Truly amazing. What a career you've had. It's always an honor to have you on the program. Continued success with uh, Brody Brazil and doing television. And we'll see you at the ballpark. And congratulations on the number being retired and also the celebration of you guys winning the championship and that rock star team of
9: 1989. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me
1: on. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the American League Player of the Week. He hit 474 with four home runs last week. Now the center fielder for your Oakland Athletics, Mark Canna joins us from Kansas City. How are you, and congratulations.
10: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: You know, when I think about where you are in your career, like the light is turned on, you're getting a chance to play every day, and you're taking advantage of it, and I can tell you this fan base has really enjoyed what you've been able to do for this team. Just talk about what this this award, being the American League Player of the Week, what it means to you as a professional.
10: Um. Yeah, it's always nice to be recognized for – for your performance. Um, yeah, I feel like I've had, you know, a good year and good weeks in the past and, and just kind of missed the boat on, on awards like this. that come around uh, from time to time, and I I got one this week. So it was, it was nice. It was a nice thing.
1: Is this really a case for you, the fact that you're just getting to play every day and that's been the big
10: difference for you? Um. I mean, I've, I feel like I've done a pretty good job every time I get a chance to get consistent playing time throughout my career. So, um, you know, I think it's something that, that just comes from a, a lot of experience, and I've had enough I'm a, a bunch of at-bats under my belt now in my career to where I've uh, probably become a little bit of a better player and a better hitter and just understand how to have uh, success a little better than than I have in the past
1: yeah it's amazing when you get the playing time and you learn to work through things how much now in your career are you better at you know surviving a little downtime or a little struggle to get you back to having great success
10: yeah I'd say I'd say I have become better at that it's just uh, it's been that's something that is definitely learned I think at the big league level and especially with the way the game's changing now. I think if I'm going to have myself on the back at all, it's just been that I've paid attention and, and kind of learned from my mistakes in, in the past and how to approach slumps and how to um, just go about my work and such. Um, so, you know, I think that's just, like I said, it's something I've, I've learned from being around a little bit. And also another great thing for you is
1: that you're 100% healthy.
10: Yeah, that's always good. That's always good. <laughs> it's really tough to be successful if you're not healthy. So that's that's number one.
1: Now, of course, uh, this past weekend, we were honoring Players Week, and we had nicknames. I've actually come up with a new nickname for you, and I- I'm wondering how you're going to yeah. receive it. So the fact that, Chris Davis goes out, you can DH. Steven Piscotty goes out, you play right field. Ramon Laureano goes out, you're now Mm -hmm. playing center field every day. So whenever you have a problem around the house, what do you do? You get duct tape, and you duct tape it. Duct tape fixes everything. I see you as the duct tape guy. If Bob Melvin ever has a problem, you just put Mark Canna there, and Mark Canna fixes the problem. How do you feel about the nickname duct tape? I love
10: that. I love that. You know what? You have to have duct tape in your house. You have to always so you know that's uh old reliable i I get it and i love it
1: yeah i mean it's the most bought thing at home depot for god's (laughs) sakes everybody needs it mark
10: yeah that's right
1: you know when i think about you playing center field i I actually you know your, your college teammate and really good friend marcus simeon we had on the program and, and, you know, I've been praising you as, you know, you're a San Jose guy. You went to Bellarmine. I'm a San Jose guy. So I've always pulled for you big time. And I was talking to uh, Marcus about you. And I, I said, Marcus, are you surprised that he can play center field as good as he can play it? And Marcus said, no, he said, you've always been a terrific athlete dating back to your days in high school and college. How much center field did you ever play in your career before now where you're playing it every day?
10: Um, I never played it in college and I never played it in the minor leagues. So, um, I think it's just a, a comfort level thing. I think you could stick any one of our outfielders out there, honestly, for a, for a few days and get better at it at least. Um, I think it's the the easiest position to, to, in terms of reading the ball off the bat. Um, so in that regard, it's a little bit easier than playing the corners, but, at the same time, you you have to make some longer runs and some longer throws. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun position. It's fun to kind of run around out there. You have a lot of space to work, and, and you got to kind of just roam. And it, I feel like you get a good feel for the game because you have the best view, um, you know, seeing straight on. So you get a good feel for where guys are hitting the ball and stuff like that.
1: I know you're more into about talking about the team than yourself, but just one more on you. Marcus Simeon said you're the most underrated player in all of Major League Baseball. What does that mean to you when when a good friend <laughs> says that?
10: Uh, I mean, it means a lot coming from Marcus, just because he is such a good friend of mine, and uh, you know we've we have a long history together and uh he's obviously a great guy and i think he really knows what he's talking about and i respect his opinion opinion on things so um it's just nice it's nice hearing that from my buddy and uh you know that's uh i think we're we're all we're both kind of like that it's a two-way street i think there's uh nothing that either of us doubts about one another and, and we know what we're both capable of just cause we both work really hard. We both have been there, you know, through through thick and thin. So it's, uh, it's cool. I think we have a good uh, special relationship in that way.
1: And let's talk about the team. I know you guys are not happy about dropping two to the Giants, but overall, when you take three or four from Houston and you sweep the Yankees, what's the confidence like after that nine-game homestand and what you're taking into Kansas City for this four-game set?
10: Um, yeah, I, you know, that's baseball. I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, the giants are a good team. They, they came out and they just, they beat us two games in a row. So, um, if anything, I think we just got to take for it. We got to understand, like, you know, we, it's, we got a lot of work ahead of us, I think. And, and, uh, I don't think now is the time to get too down about that. I think we got to move forward, uh, stay positive. I think we we know, obviously, what we're capable of from the two series before. and I think we just want to – I think we're all – there's a good mood in the clubhouse, and we understand that, like, you know, we're okay just because we lost to the Giants two games. It hurts, but we can move on and uh, keep riding that, that wave, and, you know, I think we're still in good shape.
1: Let's end on this because, you know, at this time of the year, we as fans and we in the media, we're constantly scoreboard watching. We're watching what's going on with Tampa. We're watching what's going on with Cleveland. We're watching what's going on with Houston. Uh, sounds
10: exhausting. Yeah.
1: How much are you – I mean, you're sitting out there in the outfield. Are, 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 you, are you paying attention to the scoreboard at this time of the year?
10: No, not at all. I couldn't care less. All I care about is what's going our scoreboard. Um uh, I don't think it's it's exhausting, like I said, trying to keep track of that. And it's, you know, we got five weeks of baseball. We could be looking up in three weeks, and it, it, the situation could be completely different. And so I don't think the, uh, you know, it's something that we're, it's still a long term thing. I think, you know, we got to keep the focus on us and, and playing our best baseball right now and not worry about what other people are doing.
1: Well, you're the American League Player of the Week, and it's been just fantastic to watch you play this season. You're having a great year. Continued success. Good luck on this road trip, and we'll see you when you get back to Oakland. All right, thanks. Jason, Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. Great to have you on the program. How is life treating you?
11: Good. Just retired, raising young kids.
1: You know what? We talked to you last year on this program, and and I mentioned about how, you know, a lot of people are like, Jason Giambi would be a terrific manager. I know you got the young kids and you're having a great time. When are we going to get you back in baseball?
11: Hopefully soon. You know, hopefully soon. Life's going good, and, uh, you know, the kids, I had a great time with the kids. And, you know, I do some stuff here and there, you know, for the last few years. I've, you know, helped some teams out and stuff like that. But someday I'll be back in for sure. What was that
1: like for you at the end of your career when you truly became that, that veteran presence? Because we do know, like, when you were in Oakland and and times in New York, you you were that rock star guy, but you really morphed into this great veteran leader. What was that like for you in your career?
11: I loved it. You know, I, I always felt uh, in my career, guys like Mark McGuire and Terry Steinbach and, and all these guys that were great influences on my career – they really sped up my learning curve, and I always felt that's how you repay the game is you pass on all the knowledge that you learn and pass it on to that younger generation. And that's what I always felt that I, I became that player in the game, like you're talking about that star in the game, because of those guys, because they sped up my learning curve. And I always felt that it was fair that I needed to do that to a young, to a young player as well, pass it on.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you coming out of Long Beach State, uh, you know, and then you got to play uh, on Team USA. And then next, you know, mm-hmm. there there you are w- with the athletics. And, you know, talk about what someone like Mark McGuire truly meant to you in your career.
11: Oh, I mean, he, he helped me recognize how to refine my game. I mean, I always had a great eye at the plate and walked and and other things. But he just, you know, helped me refine my game because we, we would talk about baseball, we talk about hitting, we, you know, we would talk about life. and. I mean, he was definitely older than I was, and he'd already he had already was the star in in the game. You know, I mean, he was already a star. So I learned so much from him, uh, just sitting and listening. I was I followed him around like a puppy dog all the time, just to listen. And 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 within that group, because he was in that upper echelon of players, I got a chance to stand in when he was having conversation with Kirby Pocket and and Don Mattingly and Dave Winfield and the you know uh, uh, Cal Ripken. I mean, the list goes on and on and I just would sit there and listen to these guys talk about baseball. So my learning curve was sped up immensely.
1: That's one thing I always loved about you is you're truly a baseball fan. I mean, that, you know, just oh, listen, yeah. listening to you talk, like I can imagine you being a young kid going, my God, this is Dave Winfield, right? Don Mattingly. Oh, talk about that. You're just always a, kid- a baseball fan. Yeah.
11: These they were, they were the guys I grew up idolizing. I mean, I, I, watching, I remember watching them in the 84 Olympics, or Will Clark and and Brophy. all these guys that were on this team. I would think, wow, you know, watching these guys play. I was a young kid, watching them in L.A. play on the 84 Olympics. And then here I am standing in the middle of all these guys. I mean, I had baseball cards of and There I am standing in the middle of listening to conversations and actually like them knowing my first name and – it was amazing. You know, I, I really grew up being a baseball fan, all I ever wanted to be when I was a kid. When I was old enough to be something, I you know, it wasn't a policeman or a fireman. It was a baseball player, and I got to live that dream for 20 years.
1: You know, I, I think about the book Moneyball, and I think about that movie, and the one thing that I wish would have been mentioned was you in it because you helped get those players to where they were like Billy Bean gets on board and next you know you start changing the franchise what was your time like in Oakland because I know it was very special for you especially in that clubhouse
11: oh it was amazing I mean I got a chance to play like I said those late 80s teams you know I mean when you had Eckersley and McGuire and Ricky Henderson and Steinbach and all these guys were on the team, and then we made that transition to go young. And so, you know, you got Hudson, Mulder, Zito, Chavez, Tejada, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I just remember, you know, I remember Billy sent me down one day, he goes, all right, it's your team. Now, you're, you run it how you want to run it. And, you know, Matt Sturridge was there, and and we just made that like fraternity, you know, clubhouse, that frat clubhouse, and we had a ball, and before you know it, we got really good, really fast. And it was amazing. I had great times there and made a lot of great friends who I still talk to every now and then and it was a lot of fun.
1: You're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I mean it was amazing
11: <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun it, it was a lot of fun kind of being the you know the bad boys of baseball but you know kind of the underdogs as well with you know low payroll and Billy Bean did a great job of signing this all young where we had multi-year deals which gave us security. But it turned out to be awesome for the A's as well because we all exceeded that, that, that money. You know, and later on, I mean, if you take the payroll that every guy earned after they left, it, it's you know, it's huge.
1: How is it possible? Because the clubhouse is still that way. How is it possible? Because yeah. most, most teams aren't like that. Why, why was your group so loose and so fun? I,
11: I, you know, we really bought into the chemistry thing. You know, obviously we, we didn't have the ability to go sh- have a high payroll, you know, at that time. I mean, after Mr. Haas died and they sold the team, we we went young. And so going young, you definitely have a young payroll. I mean, you have to give credit to Grady Fuson and Billy and Paul D. Podesta and all these guys who signed, you know, Ben Greaves, uh, Hudson Mulder all these guys. And, and maybe I don't. You know, Zito, where they moved him up in the draft and they really developed him and then kind of let it fit into the clubhouse where this team chemistry was unbelievable. And and it still works to this day. I mean, if you look at the A's clubhouse, they have a lot of fun when they play the game, which which translates to wins. And, And they've definitely figured that out, no doubt about it.
1: Now, obviously, the, the offer that the Yankees gave you, it's it's life-changing money. I mean, it, it is what it is. But how tough was it for you to leave the A's?
11: Uh, I, I I didn't have an offer from the A's. <laughs> that was I had one offer. Most people don't know that I had one offer, and that was from the New York Yankees. The A's, I think they felt that I kind of m- monetarily, they couldn't reach that level. I mean, ownership at that time, we tried to get a deal done in spring training, and they the ownership took it off the table. Shot and Hoffman, they took it off the table. And I played that year without a contract, you know, c- coming into the next year because Chipper had just signed and we were looking for Chipper Jones t- type of money. And um, I ended up having a monster year, and that's when the Yankees came calling, and and uh, the rest was kind of history. So you didn't actually have an offer from the A's? No, I did not. I did not. We, we got close in spring training, and then ownership, Billy – Billy tried his best. Billy tried his best to try to get something done. And unfortunately at that time, ownership, uh, you know, wasn't able, which is understandable. That was, that was a big commitment of a contract for that, for that team. I mean, it was a big contract. And, and I just felt, they just felt that that team was so young and so, I mean, Tejada and Molder, and Zito and all those guys were coming into their prime. You know, Chavi as well with some young kids coming up through the minor leagues. You know, as far as, like, Travis Buck and, and everybody else, that, you know, it, it was it was okay if I left. And they, they were great. I mean, the A's have been great for the last few years. You know, unfortunately, they just haven't been able to get over the hump and win a World Series.
1: So you grow up in Southern California. You come up with the Oakland Athletics. Then you sign the big deal with the New York Yankees, which playing for the Yankees is a whole different deal. What was it like, your time in New York? And when did you, like, look up and go, my God, I'm a Yankee?
11: Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, that's truly what being a rock star is all about, playing for the New York Yankees. I mean, you, you go in hotel lobbies and there's, you know, thousands of people standing in the hotel lobby, and it, it's amazing. I mean, it's the mecca of baseball. The fans are amazing. And, um, you know, as a kid, just being a big history buff, I mean, putting on the same uniforms, Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Garrick and, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, who who has played in pinstripes is amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. And, of course, the A's are taking on the Yankees this weekend, and uh, the A's recently just swept the Yankees. This is a, a, a really big series. And w- when I think about you playing there and, and with all the different stars, tell us what the pressure is like because the expectations are you win every day for all 162.
11: Yeah, I mean – Mr. Steinbrenner did an amazing job of putting those teams together because most people forget that when Don Mattingly played there for all those years, I mean, he only made one playoff and it was a wild card. And, you know, and then all of a sudden they kind of started to put it together and won, you know, four World Series real quick and then won their fifth fifth World Series. And you know, all of a sudden the expectation got big, and it's it's awesome. it's just it's a whole different ball game. I mean, when you talk about all the media outlets and the media market, and, and then all of a sudden we added Matsui, you know, now you have the Japanese media. It just was gigantic. You know, you walk in there, and there's, I mean, it was so much media that they didn't even let the TV media. You had to go to them outside the clubhouse to talk to them. So it was just. And, you know, and there's always – they want more stories and things. So, you got to really, like, uh, put your time in for the media because they have to write their stories.
1: How's your How's your brother doing? We haven't heard from him in a while.
11: Yeah, he's doing great. He lives in Southern California. He's actually out here in Vegas right now. Um, we just played some golf together today.
1: Oh, nice, nice. And, by the way, yeah. Ve- Vegas is – because I also work for the Raiders, and I know how the Raiders are moving there next year. And you think about the hockey team – All of a sudden, you know, where Vegas was just a minor league town, they're
11: becoming big league real quick. Oh, we've really stepped up. There's no doubt. I mean, I remember I always thought living out here for so many years that we would be a basketball town because you had the Maloofs and everybody else. And all of a sudden, hockey came about and it took off. I mean, Golden Knights, everything. It's amazing to go watch them play. I mean, it's the greatest show on skates, no doubt about it. And since then, we have going to have the Raiders and MLBs interested in putting their team. Our AAA is doing amazing, which is the A's organization. I mean, they're doing amazing. So it's it's been a lot of fun living out here to watch it develop. Have you
1: made it to any Aviators games?
11: I have not. It's on the other side of town. But I've seen pictures of it and renderings of it when it was going up. And I definitely want to get out there. I want to take my kids out there and. And watch the the guys play. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a minor league ballpark that cost 150 million. I mean, it's, it's, supposedly it's amazing.
11: <laughs> hey, we go big in Vegas. We don't mess around. <laughs>
1: hey, Jason, it's always an honor to have you on the program. Continued success, and I really do mean it. We got to get you back in this game because this game's better with
11: you in it. I really, really appreciate. it. I'm so honored for you to say that, and thank you. It's always such a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate it. Take care, Jason. Good seeing you. It's good talking to you.
2: Take it easy.